You're listening to the Grace Reform Church podcast. This week, Pastor Joe is speaking from 1 John chapter 1, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. Please turn to 1 John chapter 1. So there's the book of John, but then closer towards Revelation, we have 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. So we're going to be looking at a few verses from that first chapter and the second chapter of 1 John. Oh, there goes my sermon. Can one of you young people that like to bend down get that for me, please? I've uh, stopped liking it a while ago. Thanks so much. Perfect. And it's, here we go. The numbers are good. All right. So I'm going to, it's going to screen. I just want to open my Bible there because I will be referring to that anyways. There we go. All right. So this is the, the words, Lord, and I pray that God would bless the preaching of His Word and that His Word would be what we hear this day. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you, God is light, in Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar, and His word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless the preaching of your word. We've, um, yesterday we had uh, kids over, because as you know, um, two of my kids kind of out of the house, the, the th- third one living with us still. Um, so it's nice when everyone's together under one roof. And Shanae came over and uh, uh, Cody, a boyfriend, was with us. And so we had this you know, afternoon where I said to them, guys, I want to watch this movie. It's part of uh, the sermon prep for today. And it's the movie called The Pilgrim's Progress. Now, many of you went and saw it at the theaters. Can you, have you seen this movie? Can you wave at me kind of or nod or something? So, yeah, a lot of you, maybe you've even read the book. This book... Pilgrim's Progress, on what the movie is based on, was written in 1678, so that's like centuries ago, by John Bunyan while he was imprisoned. That's where the Lord led him to write this allegory of the Christian faith. This book, Pilgrim's Progress, is the second most printed book in the world. The Bible is the most printed, but besides the Bible... Pilgrim's Progress is the second most printed book in the world to this day, translated in many languages, people still reading it and being encouraged by what is written there. What I loved about this movie, and I want to highlight, is also pictured on the screen. You see a man there with a bag on his back, and that's the weight of sin. And the man carrying it is Christian, 
And Christian is on a journey and he's looking to God to help him get rid of the weight of sin in his life. And it's only when he gets to the cross, you know, he has to traverse a lot of obstacles that want to keep him from reaching the cross. But when Christian gets to the cross, the bag drops down, the cords melt away, and he's free. But what I love about the story doesn't show like now that's the end. Now it's like all easy from there. Because after he reached the cross, after the sin burden is let go, he has to journey onwards and grow and still face obstacles and opposition and even persecution. So the weight of sin was gone, but the opposition that the world gives was still real. And I just think that's a, a lovely way to, again, add to today's passage and today's message that we have to deal with our weight of sin. Christ did do that at the cross, but even after the weight of sin is dealt with, the weight of the world press in on us still. In this passage, uh, two things were compared. You know, it, says, it speaks about those who claim to be without sin are liars, but then on the other hand, there are those who feel the weight, the seriousness of sin, and there's encouragement for those. Before I get to the, you know, the first verse, who wants to borrow this? First hand up. All right. So, did I see more hands? Just My name's on there, so you watch it, bring it back. Or if you want to speak to Adrian and say, hey, next Sunday, bring it back. We want to watch it with... Dad and mom, you know, supervising, but it's, it's really good. It's, I think it's, it's a great message that it uh, teaches. All right, so it starts off by saying in uh, that first line, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. So think of the message. This is something that God intended that we need to hear. And the message that we heard from him, the first four verses of that passage speaks about um, Jesus Christ, because John says we saw him, he lived among us, he walked among us, he was in physical form. God had come down and God himself had given us this message to give to you. It wasn't a man's idea, it was received from the Lord. It was heard from him, it was declared to you. We should hear what that message is. And that's really the summary, that God is light and in him there is no darkness. I like summaries, you know, of big ideas. It helps you kind of process things. One church put it this way, and this was in the heat of summer over in the U.S., I'm guessing, uh, where they put out the sign that says, too hot to keep changing sign, sin bad, God good, come inside for the details. And it's like it's giving us a top-line summary of, now this is what it's about, but if you want to find out more, just come inside and we'll dig a little deeper. The passage that 1 John says as well, you know, God is light and in Him there's no darkness. That's the, that's the bottom line. But if you want to find out the details of that, how it affects you and your standing and how it can be made right with such a holy God, then dig in deeper to this passage to read the details. And so he says, unpacking those details in verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. And that statement to me is a scary statement because I'm thinking, have I not done that? There has been time where I've you know, done the wrong thing and I've actually made a decision that took me to the wrong side of God and not the right side. So 
It's a scary state. And it says if we, if we do that, we are lying and we do not live out God's truth. But when we do walk in the light as He's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. So it's important the way we walk. And when you think of that, that's a two-folded statement. Because the, the way we walk and uh, speak of direction, you know, the way, the path. But it can also speak of the mannerism, you know, whether you have a cool walk. You know, uh, what's that song, BG song, John Travolta, The Walk? So it kind of speaks like where you walk and how you walk, those two things. To let both of those be God-honoring, let it be walking in the light. But the, the tension here is that if you and I walk in the light, in God's light, which is pure and perfect, the closer we get to God, the more we become aware of our own sin. It's like you see all the blemishes on your the nice clean clothing. You thought it's pure white, but it's not because in pure light, the blemishes show. And therefore, it, it kind of motivates us to walk humbly and thankful for Jesus cleansing us of our sin and brokenness. And we work, walk purposefully before Him. But if we walk in darkness, in the ways of the world, in secret sins and, and deception, darkness makes it easy to blend in. You don't have to explain to others what you're doing. You kind of hide and keep it to yourself. Those who choose to walk in darkness, and remember, this is now Christian, speaking to Christians. This is a letter to Christians, not to, wasn't sent to the Gentile sinners, uh, heathens. He's saying, Christian, if you walk in light, you have fellowship with God and one another. But Christian, if you walk in darkness, you are making yourself out to be a liar, it says, and you do not live out the truth. And we should be, of course, living out the truth of who we are in Christ. That's the call, to live out the truth of who we are in Christ. But walking in darkness means we cannot live out that truth. John warns us against the crossover of those two things. And as I said a little while ago, I find that to be a very worrying statement because I've tried and I've been unable to walk perfectly before God. If you've got that right, please give me some tips. It's not that easy. It's a two steps forward, one back sometimes. It's a stumble, but get up at times. But always leaning in to the light, always going forward in the light, even though things press in or we have uphill bits or storms come. We want to continue to walk in the light. The, the alternative is just not acceptable. Who would want to choose to walk in darkness and in deception and in broken relationship with God? But then we see that John actually now makes that very point that none of us can say we've done that perfectly because verse 8 says this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So in a way, I'm, I'm relieved when I got to that line. So, okay, whew, you know, I, I, I was in that text. I read me there. Whew, I read me again. The relief that, okay, we're all sinners saved by grace and now we need to be saved still in our journey with the Lord. 
And it's not so much, because sometimes we do sin, and we need to stop doing sin, but we are sinful, and there's a tension there. It's like the old man uh, in the prayer meeting, he was forever praying at every prayer meeting, Lord, please remove the cobwebs of sin in my life. And he prayed it over and over and over, and then one cheeky young fellow at the prayer meeting said, Lord, please kill the spider. You see, there's that outside effect of sin that, that we are aware of, the thing that I do, have I done, but then there's the sin nature in us. And God saves us from that, but kind of like gravity, it's always there. They're always pulling, always, you're always aware of it. I think sometimes of uh, weeds in a garden. You know, you, you weed a garden and get rid of all the, um, the weeds and, and the stuff that shouldn't be there, and it looks beautiful. And then the rain comes, and two weeks later, lo and behold, they're back. You thought, didn't I just remove it all? But that's, I think, a, a beautiful picture of walking before the Lord. You always got to pull out weeds. When you see them come up, get rid of them. And then maybe for a while it's all fine, but then up pops something else. Weed again. And now a way that we do that, how we deal with that sin in our lives as Christians is in verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and He will forgive us our sins, and He will purify us from all unrighteousness. That's such a beautiful, encouraging line in Scripture that, Christian, when you stumble, turn to God. Bring your stumbleness to Him. Show Him the bruise of the fall. And ask for forgiveness and let him cleanse you. Let him cleanse me. Because in verse 10, it did highlight, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. There's this um, song I heard when I was a young student, a new Christian, where um, Don Francisco, if you're my age, you'll remember the gospel singer, storyteller, guitar player, Don Francisco. And he would tell stories of the Bible in song. And one of the songs that he highlighted with the music and the emotion of it was the, uh, uh, Simon Peter in the boat. And he, you know, he, he, in poetry and words, he says, like, they've been fishing all night and they didn't catch anything. And then they see this teacher who's, who says, uh, Peter, take me out a little way from the land. And then he teaches all the people. And then after that, Jesus says to him, Peter, throw your nets over the side of the boat. And he says, Lord, we've tried all night and there is nothing. But because you say so, we will do it. And so they cast over the nets on the side of the boat, and lo and behold, this miraculous catch of fish happens, and they pull in the nets, and there's all this providence and abundance that, naturally speaking, shouldn't be there. And Peter's reaction in that moment captures how so many of us feel when confronted with the living, holy, perfect God in His perfect light, and we see that we are not perfect. He says to Jesus, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. See, and as a young person, when I, hit, when, I, when I heard that song, it hit me then. Yes, I'm saved, but as I journey, I'm aware of my imperfections or not living up to God's holy standard all the time. And I've always felt condemned. And I feel like Peter by saying, Lord, you're too close Stay far. I prefer you at a distance. 
because it gets hard when you're close or when I'm aware of how glorious you are and how broken I am. But Jesus responded to Peter by saying, don't fear. Just follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Peter didn't pretend. He wasn't projecting. He wasn't faking it till he's making it. He was just being himself saying, Lord, I am Peter the sinner. And Jesus says, don't fear. Come with me. I will make something beautiful of your life. There's a poem by Helen Field Fisher. It's short. It's two little stanzas, which I want to read to you. And I'm hoping you're connecting the dots that we have Lord's Supper today. And the sermon is speaking to that. Because that's what Lord's Supper is there to do, is to encourage us that someone has taken our sin on him. The new leaf says this. Think of a teacher in a classroom. He came to my desk with a quivering lip. The lesson was done. Dear teacher, I want a new leaf, he said. I have spoiled this one. I took the old leaf stained and blotted. I gave him a new one, all unspotted. And into his sad eyes smiled, do better now, my child. I went to the throne with a quivering soul. The old year was done. Dear father, have you a new leaf for me? I've spoiled this one. He took the old leaf stained and blotted and gave me a new one all unspotted and into my sad heart he smiled and said, do better now, my child. That's what the Lord's Supper is for. So that when we come before God, maybe weary, worn or aware of that we've not always done the right things, we can say, Lord, this is why I need this. This is why Christ came This is what this represents, this wine, this bread, that someone else took my punishment in in my place. Christ went to the cross. And he said to the church, do this Lord's Supper often in remembering me. Because we will forget. We'll get used to. We'll take for granted what he had done. And the fact that he'd redeemed you and your soul. And he paid for your sins as he did for mine. The last two verses of our passage says this. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for all our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So don't sin, Christian. But if you do as we do, We can come and confess that before the Lord. You don't need to go to a priest to do that. You go to the Lord and you confess to Him. Who remembers movies on TV that was called Vice, like Miami Vice? Remember that? Cool name. I never knew what Vice meant. But yeah, detectives fighting crime. But if I can, just to highlight... There's three, a play on three words for you. We, we all know what crime means. Crime is when I, I do something wrong against each, someone else or against the laws of the land. I break the laws of the land. Crime. All right? Think of me doing something to someone else. I stole from you or I, I, I you know, broke into your house or I, I did damage to you that I wasn't allowed to do. 
That's crying. Vice is stuff I do wrong against myself. Drugs, alcoholism, uh, self-harm, etc., etc. So vice means, like, like you could say, oh, uh, my vice is getting drunk on the weekends. That's, it's like saying my weakness, the things that I, I do to me, in me, that I shouldn't do. So it's the wrong that is done in me to me. So crime to others, vice to self, sin is what I do wrong to God when I don't live up to His standards, which includes the crimes and the vices of this world. And as I was thinking of that, you know there's one vice that I at times have struggled with. And I never thought of it as a vice, but in reflection, I think it is. It came, before I tell you what it is, it came about, a family member phoned me about, oh, it was about a month ago, and um, said to me, I wish I didn't exist. Wish I didn't exist. Why? Why do you say that? Because I've done so much wrong. I've done this wrong, and I said that wrong, and I just wish I didn't exist. And I was trying to encourage this family and say, don't, don't think that, don't say that, because you are loved and you are wanted. But then something in me thought, you know what, I felt that too. And you know what it is that gets me to that point? Regrets. I've had... I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not typically someone who feels sorry for myself. I'm a very upbeat, positive person. But I've had times, and it's like, you know when your memory is triggered? Something triggers your memory, and you, and you remember five years ago that I had this falling out with my dad. Or, you know, I, I, I said this thing to my brother, and I shouldn't have. And, and then I play that movie over and over and over and over in my head. And for a while, you don't even think of the good things that God has done to me or through me, because I just think of the wrong thing I said that one time. And it's like regret fills up my, my heart and my mind. And then I wondered, in talking to this family member, did Jesus also pay for that, for my regrets? The things I should have said, I didn't. The things I should not have done, but I'd done. Did He die for that as well? Probably the <laughs> most vivid uh, illustration of that was many years ago, back in another city, there was relationships damaged, words said, you know, got out of hand. And my wife and I drove home in a car, and I thought, that'll never come right. And we spoke about it and prayed about it, and then I remember driving to the church office back then, and, and I prostrated myself. I closed the door, and I went and lied on the carpet. I prostrated myself, and my face was planted in a hard, hard it wasn't comfortable, a hard carpet. And I just sobbed before the Lord, and I said, Lord, if only... It was done differently. If only other things, or if only, if only. And there was this, uh, you know, the, the regret that floods our minds. But now looking back, even that God has healed, and even that rift has been restored, and even there God's healing ha has done gracious things. But sometimes we can get these low places, 
And it's not like, you know, the difference between when, let's, let's say someone does something to me, and I can vent my anger to that person, and I blame him for the wrong. But the vice or the regret is when I blame me, when I'm me, I did this, I'm wrong. And then that can wreck me as well. But Jesus also paid for that. And he also restores even that. Our mistakes, our wrong decisions, even that. And in that movie you're going to be watching, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, you see that even as the journeys through life, you know, God tells him, stay on this road, the straight road. Don't depart from it. But he does. But then God leads him back to it. Always working things together for good, leading him on the road he should be on. I'm nearly done, folks. You, you might remember the song Amazing Grace and the movie Amazing Grace. Um, ten years or so ago it came out. And you see there's two names there on that screen. William Wilberforce is the man on the left that was a member of the um, UK Parliament. And he was fighting for many, many, many years to abolish slavery. And on the the right side is a man called John Newton. Now, he's the man who wrote the most famous Christian song in the world, which is Amazing Grace. But we sometimes forget to remember his story. Because John Newton, you know, he was born in 1725. His mom died two weeks before his seventh birthday. His father was a sailor, and he took him to sea at 11 years old. So he had a life in, on boats, and the United Kingdom had an empire, and it was run by ships. So he became a captain of ships, and he was then made to be a captain of slave ships. And he was overseeing the enslavement and distribution of thousands upon thousands of slaves and in his later years, he, be, he had a conversion experience, he became a Christian, and he renounced his trade in slavery. But then the regret started. All those years, all those people, regret, regret, regret. Lord, how can you forgive me? He became a pastor and became a songwriter, but always broken because of the past. And in this movie and in his life story, we see where these two men talk about how they can work to abolish slavery. And John Newton, through tears, said these amazing words. As an old man, although my memory is fading, I remember two, very, two things very clearly. I'm a great sinner. Christ is a great Savior. Wow. Isn't that what we all celebrate when we remember who He is and what He's done for us. Though I am broken or though I'm a sinner, and we can even put the word great sinner like that man before it, Christ is a great Savior. So to wrap it all up, to conclude before we move to Lord's Supper now, please be encouraged. If you see yourself or we see one another and we see that, yes, Lord, we've fallen short of Your glory, we're aware of how glorious you are. And to think that such a glorious one would love us in our brokenness, that's amazing grace. And it makes 
the victory, it makes the reward, the gift even so much more sweeter to know that I could not earn that, but I was given that. God's riches at Christ's expense. Thank you, Lord. Let me pray for us. Lord God, as we um, take a moment today and we share bread and wine, we remember Jesus Christ and His gift given for us through the cross. Can we all be encouraged by that this day? Lord, can we all be renewed to walk with You faithfully in the light and strengthen us and give us joy and gladness to know that we are loved and that You are for us, not against us. And though we sometimes sin, that You've even made accommodation for that, in that we can come to You, we can confess it, and we can know that You cleanse us from our sin and all unrighteousness. Thank You that we are in Christ, made with You. Amen and amen.